Robert Frost talks about poetry this way, where he said that every poem begins as a lump in the throat. Like there's this emotion, this thing that just has to come out. With him, it was beautiful poetry. And for me, it was a very silly game, a very odd song, a jokey video. But it was this thing that just, if I didn't do it, I was going to be physically sick. You're listening to the Photo Untaken podcast with me, your host, Alan Clark. On this week's episode, we have Brad Montague. Now, if you were to read Brad's bio straight from his website, which I'm about to do for you, it reads like this. Brad Montague is a New York Times bestselling author of books for kids and former kids. He is a creator of the web series Kid President, The Circles All Around Us, and most recently, The Fantastic Bureau of Imagination. Brad lives in Tennessee with his wife and kids. He can currently be seen as the host of the television special The Kindness Project, on the Magnolia Network and Discovery Plus. What you don't know is Brad and I went to the same college and or university. Didn't go at the same time. He was probably 10 years after me, but had the pleasure of meeting him and his wife, Christy, when I was doing a lot of uh, work for the university's marketing department, which I was super thankful for. And he and I just kind of became friends. Uh, one of the first things I noticed about Brad was just his attitude, which was awesome, and his spirit, which was funny and endearing. And we have had a great time being friends since. We always see each other at conferences, uh, run into each other. But Brad is something of, uh, I would say, dynasty or uh, something of a brand that just brings happiness um, simply to, like he says in his opening statement of his bio to kids or former kids. And it's always a joy to sit and talk with Brad, not just is he a friend of mine, but also I've always uh, admired Brad for what he's been able to accomplish in his life thus far. And Christy Montague, his wife, is responsible for so many things. And it's super impressive what they got going on in this little town that we used to go to school in. It's called Henderson, Tennessee. They have this little creative place that they work out of, like a warehouse type thing. And it's so cool. And I've been there. I was there on the opening day that they had a grand opening and it was so much fun. I've got photos from all that. I'll include that in the notes and in the captions and everything if we do this on social media. But the main thing is that I want you to hear is Brad's attitude about life. And that is just don't ever stop being a kid. And I absolutely love that. Uh, You've seen his work. We've done some pretty crazy things and we've got some pretty crazy stories to tell. So enjoy this episode and, you know, drop us both a comment in any of the things that we're doing. So thank you so much uh, for listening. I hope you enjoy it. Brad Montague is on the Photo Untaken podcast today. Thank you so much for joining, Brad. I cannot believe we're sitting and talking. We never get a chance to sit and talk, sit and talk anymore. So this is great to sit and talk and just it's hang like out. Two old guys on a porch. It's as it should be. <laughs> that is exactly right. I'm the weird guy with a very long winter beard. <laughs> and uh, I don't think I've ever seen you in a beard, Brad. I've tried, you know, and then I get nervous and go, oh, I d- I'm not pulling this off and I'll, sh- I'll shave it. Is it a fake beard? <laughs> or you mean a you mean a real one? It's okay, a Halloween costume thing. I think I'm not pulling this off. <laughs> I'm not pulling this off. This is this fake beard is not working. No one believes me. Oh my gosh, where do we start? Um, 
how long ago have you actually thought i haven't thought about this have you ever thought about how long ago we met it's maybe been 20 plus years i knew of you know there were heralds announcing that i would meet you there were people saying there's someone coming you will meet him his name is alan he he takes photos and have you seen this and all these stories of here's this guy and then then i finally met you like oh this is him. Oh, this is it. this this goof, this goofball. This, this is what everybody's warning me about. <laughs> no, it was so cool because you know I grew up in a small town. I grew up on a farm, dreaming of doing creative work in in the real world as a real person. And so you were one of the first click creative professionals. You were doing the thing. You had this craft, mm. and it was just. Oh yeah, I, I I'm not a photographer, but I wanted to learn from you, and and my wife actually did learn a ton from you. My wife's a photographer, Christy, and um, she should be on the podcast today instead of me. Well, funny that you say that because here she is. No I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> funny that you say that. Uh, it's it's really this last year, last two years. I've been thinking about just kind of expanding the conversation. You know, I'm inviting writers and just creative types, period. It doesn't matter who they are. Hell, I even have uh, the head of the Canadian Himalayan team coming on who it always has something to do with photography. I mean, that's how we met, essentially. It was me working for the school that we both went to and doing, you know, photos and things like that for them. But, I mean, it always ends up maybe the conversation might start with photography, but it doesn't have to just be that. It's something I've really wanted to do only because – you know, I kind of look at what I do is not just photography. It's a ther- it's therapy a lot of times. It's helping encourage others a lot of times. A lot of times it's um, helping people to assert themselves, feel better about themselves. You know what I mean? It's a lot of different things. It's not just photography. Mm-hmm. If it were just photography, it's not that it would be boring because it's not. It's just that it would be less exciting because there's so many mo- – there's just deeper stories. Yeah, that's what has always drawn me to you and why I'm thrilled you are doing what you're doing now because there's all these ridiculous stories that need to be told <laughs> that that like your adventures lead you to people and places, connections, relationships that do not make sense. <laughs> and, and it's yeah, true. That, that's that's what's so that's that's what's so exciting about it. And and well, I, I, uh, I've loved learning from you, not just the craft of photography, but of being an adventurous, creative person. Well, thanks for saying that. I have always noticed it about others, too. That's when you tell stories and you can do that, you can also notice when you meet another one. <laughs> and that's when I met you. I knew I was like, OK, it was so funny because, you know, a lot, a lot of times you kind of just want to see somebody else taking a swing. You know, like that's what I that's what I noticed about you when I met. I was like, that guy's taking a swing. I remember when I was taking it when I started taking a swing and I was out there doing it and I was, man, dude, it was so lonely. You're out there just by yourself. It, yeah, believe no, it in whatever. I, you're one of the few people who actually came to uh, when I was hosting a TV show in a bagel shop. <laughs> you're one of the people that showed up. <laughs> yes, I, I did. I was, ta- I was taking a swing. You were took a swing. You swung for the fences, baby. You had fun. You had an you had an audience. You had a way of recording it. You had a way of putting it on television, <laughs> Brad. That now it was any of it. 
the best thing in the world or was it this or what, you know, all the little things that we try to add up, you know what I mean? In our heads, you just want everything to be perfect. And yeah, no, it wasn't. But you nope. took a swing. You did it. You did. <laughs> the rest what of my friends were in grad school. They were becoming doctors, and <laughs> I was <laughs> lawyers, real, you know, helpful members of society who were going to get paid. And uh, I, I was hosting a, a, a no budget talk show in a bagel shop. Well. And look what happened to you, though. You have become a pretty decent member of society. I'm going to have to tell <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for saying so. I, you know, in a lot of ways, I talk about it a lot. That was my grad school. I mean, you, yeah. you, I found myself in a situation with shoes way too big, um, making mistake after mistake and going, oh, that's, yeah. that's not how you invite people to something. Oh, that you know what? We didn't hit record on the camera, <laughs> which is a real thing that happened. <laughs> I've never done that ever. I've never done that. I've never put a, a a thinking. I put an SD card or a card into my camera shooting photos, and it just keeps saying this word <laughs> so demo. Basic. Why does it keep saying demo? So basic, and yet I totally, totally, totally fumbled. We've I all done it, kid. But that's 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 what was interesting. I think a lot of times a storyteller can tell another storyteller, and I, I remember thinking that like that's got that guy's taking a swing, man. I'm gonna I want to see what this guy's up to. And that's what <laughs> I did. We we would stop by on the way to shoot. So I don't know if you remember, but I was on the way to Texas, or I was on the way to Louisiana, or I was on the way to California, or somewhere yes. where I'd have to go west. I would drive by you, and then I would check in with Christy or with Judd or somebody, and just make sure you were doing your thing. And then we'd stop by. I think I came to two. I might have come yeah, to two. I have memories more than one, and uh, you probably witnessed the dwindling audience. There were people. That not. I can't remember. <laughs> but one thing, yeah, you know, storyteller no, recognizing a storyteller. There's also this sort of thing of of um, you can recognize in someone when they are inspired, when they also will reference art or, or be bring up something uh, for you. I was always you bringing up like, you know, everything from obscure comedy references and things that I was super into that other people wouldn't necessarily know a certain piece from an old Conan episode or from <laughs> what, whatever. Um, or I, I had this, like this library of things that, that was, fascinating to me and it was interesting everything from music to animation to just any weird thing so i i yeah that there's something about finding kindred spirits who who also are digging the same stuff well i felt the same way and it's interesting because a lot of times it's just lonely on misfit island you know and yeah you want to find you know mr norwal and the penguin and all of the different misfits so that you can kind of be on your island together, just so that you can stand on the island and go, oh, this is exhausting. You know, this is tiring, um, Yeah, but it's fun. And I, I feel like I'm living and I feel like I like it's funny when you fill out those forms, Brad, what's your dream job? And I can't tell you how many times I've filled out. I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I'm yeah, so I'll glad I was able to do that. Cool to do whatever, to try this or try that. I, I'll be very interested in. You know, oh, I could, I could, but actually, you know, I kind of like what I'm doing. I like to be get better at it, but yeah, I'm doing it. Or meet somebody interesting or go to a different place I've never been or try something new. It's always like that with us. It's never 
but I've never regretted that form when I had to fill that form out. That was always the form I loved to fill out. Like it, I look forward to it. A lot of people hate it. Even at the dentist, it was like, what's your, what do you do? And I'm like, following my dream. I never put that, but you know, in my head, <laughs> just cause it was a wisdom teeth and it wasn't, you know, wisdom teeth. And it wasn't yeah, that yeah, important that I put that on that conversation form. And they asked for it. Yeah. But yeah, I've always thought that, like, I've always like, I'm doing it. I mean, and with that, and I don't know if you've experienced this yet or not, but you might. And when you do, you'll remember this conversation, but it's, I had so many goals for myself in creativity and it could have just been the cover of this and you know what I mean? And, and that award and this type of travel and this type of job and this person to shoot, you know, somebody I really looked up to. And when you've done a lot of it, as I have, especially in these last 10, 15 years, you hit all of these goals, you hit all these personal goals and you get up here and I don't know if it's at the mountain. Everybody talks about it. You've climbed the mountain. You're at the top of the mountain. I don't know. It's like that. It just seems like it's another, it might be a mountain, but there's one over there that's taller. But when I've hit all these goals, I'm just kind of like, okay, what now? You know? Mm. And mm -hmm. that's why I've started doing things in other spaces like this, like a podcast or like doing, helping others tell their stories. If it's, doing a little mini documentaries or just any kind of video at all, or even talk, tell my own story, which I've never done, which like you said, it's like, I can't believe half the stuff that comes out of my mouth <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Finally. I'm so glad to hear you say that because everyone around you has been saying that for years. <laughs> Here he goes again, running his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like crap. It sounds like I'm lying most of the time. Like, Hey Alan, have you, Worn Miss America's crown. Yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> hey, Alan, did you uh, photograph the president? Did you look at a former president and say, what are you doing? Yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, you, you have a certain confidence in those rooms. I've been in rooms with you and you're, there's, you know, a, a high profile so-and-so being photographed. And you will say the thing I would never say. <laughs> <to> <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing, Brad. It, it helps. It, it definitely helps to have, uh, you know, maybe you need both of us in the room. You need one who's going to not say the inappropriate thing. You need another one who's going to, you know, lighten the room up a little bit and go, hey, you know, I'm going to say this. And, and then I, I'll clean it up a little bit. Hey, he, what he really means. Is what he really is trying to say. Um, <laughs> most of the time, it's actually you're my audience. You know, I'm yes. not doing it. I'm not doing it for them at all. I'm actually trying to, if I can, even get a joke on them totally in front it. of my friend. Totally it's like, okay, we're with Condoleezza Rice right now. Let me say this really inappropriate thing only because it will make Brad laugh. That's, which that's my goal in life, like to make a person <laughs> laugh. My goal in life is to make everybody laugh, but my goal in life is to make you laugh when you're hanging out with me. And I don't she care She won't remember, but she'll just be, you know, ah, there was some photographer one time who was one of those guys. But Oh, man, I was – remember how hard I was pushing for Robbie to get with that because I couldn't believe she turned him down. That was just so weird. <laughs> It, if you don't know what the, the story best. is, it was for the best. But in the moment, it just felt like you're just being cruel. <laughs> just, just because uh, she could say no, she did. This was what it felt like. You know, if we wanted to, we could still just lie and put Robbie, the, the picture that I took of him in Condoleezza Rice's photo. I could just kind of mash them together and we could just say, <laughs> so yeah. A he's a child giving her a cupcake 
and she took it like it was garbage. <laughs> she just like moved it <laughs> to the side. It's like, ugh, like no. So it was it was a telling moment. It was, and I kind of later I thought about it and thought about it, and I might have even said something that day. She was probably at the time the most hated woman in the world. That's impossible. And I thought fair. about that a lot. African-American woman, she uh, worked for George W. She worked for the United States of America. And they're always talking about enemy number one around, you know, our enemies, like American enemies. But what about the rest of the world? You know, if they consider us an enemy. And I, and I thought she might be the most hated woman in the world. And she's probably she probably has to check things like no one can touch her face and she can't eat things people give her. Right. Right. Is that bottled water sealed? You know what I mean? Like stuff. She has to do things that we don't even think about. Constantly on guard for what other thing is going to be of danger, not just to me, but to the story that I'm living in. (laughs) Like what thing is, is going to poke holes in that or, or give somebody ammunition fodder to, to mock me or whatever. And so, yeah, Uh, you've worked with a lot of politicians and I imagine quite often feels that way, especially when they're in the middle of it, when they're in the midst of their public service. It's interesting. You can tell when they're on. I don't know if you remember this. Were you there for George Herbert Bush photo shoot? I know you were there for No, uh, Judge Christy Judge. was with you for that one. Yeah. Christy was. I can remember you showing up at different times, so I couldn't, I can't remember like, sometimes I feel no, like There Keith were times Richards. where they made me sit outside, like literally sit outside the rooms. Um, I know with Barbara Bush, for one, I I was I came I'm all dressed up and they I sat outside the auditorium while the event was happening. <laughs> and Christy's like, "Yeah, I've got this. This happened." Pretzels out of her bag, you know, to give. Like, what is the danger of you being there? Did they really need that extra ticket money, or did they really need that one less, you know, college kid with a suit on? Out the out in the auditorium, it's just it's. It, I took it personally, and because it probably was personal. Let's do not do not bring Brad into this. We don't need <laughs> that energy. You think it was more of that? <laughs> just don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how to trust this guy. I'm not bringing him in here. He's, he might <laughs> hug them. Brad, I think about how long we've known each other, but I also think about how we both started, and it is miles difference from where we are now. And I think about it because it just excites me about all the things and the good things you've been able to do in your career, in your life with a wonderful wife and kids and the things you've been able to share with them. But just with us, you know, you're your friends and I think about it and it's amazing. You've done some really cool stuff and it started with you taking those swings. It started with you dreaming big and thinking big and you put those thoughts in front of your future, in front of the next week or the next month. You put that stuff out there first. Can you remember when this was happening, when there was nothing happening, thinking this could turn into something someday? Did you ever think like that? It's, it's, it's hard to uh, look at things that I've made that somehow found an audience and thinking that somehow I knew at the moment that someone might actually watch it or read it. Uh, Because you always, it's always the hope. But I had learned, I had become, I had become accustomed to thinking, well, nobody's going to really see this anyway. (laughs) It sort of became the mindset. I just was trained to, at that point, you're making the thing. Will people see it? Maybe not. But 
like Robert Frost talks about poetry this way, where he said that every poem begins as a lump in the throat. Mm. Like there's this emotion, this thing that just has to come out. And so you do. And that, that's very much been my experience. That that's what, and, and with him, it was beautiful poetry. And for me, it, it wasn't always that it was a very silly game, a very odd song, a very like a jokey video, but it was this thing that just, if I didn't do it, I was going to be physically sick. And so I just kept doing these things. And the more like I would chase after these rabbits, these little ideas, the more I would find that um, I would get a deeper understanding of where that lump in the throat was coming from, that there was an emotion that I was looking to transfer. Sometimes that emotion mm. would be this deep joy that like, I want other people to feel this, like to find how, how funny and how ridiculous it is to be a person or, or just to <laughs> remember what matters the most right now and the being alive, the gratitude. And, and so beginning to understand where these expressions were coming from, then I could make sure that as I'm making these things, they were expressions of care. And so success became not, oh, millions of people watched the thing. Millions of people experienced it. But now, did I express care? <laughs> was this yeah. an offering or was this just an expression of self, um, uh, which which doesn't have a lot of life in it. It, it? The things that have life in it are full of love. So for the most of you guys that are fans of Brad and friends of mine, we have, I don't think we've ever had, we actually did in the early days, we would sort of work together on stuff for the school. And we both went to a place called the universe, uh, Fried Harbin university. And, and then, you know, we did our own thing and then we would go and do, you know, separate things and all this type of stuff, but we never had the chance to work together except one time. <laughs> And I want to hear your version of this because to me, my version of this people, again, this is one of the things I, I can't tell if you invited me into the, like you said, the weird Alan world of, I can't believe the stuff that just came out of my mouth. You created this. Did we both create this? Like, so yeah, this one time. No, you know, okay. You know, the feeling you get yourselves in these situations. And, and, and I get my family in these situations, this whole like you have a dream, this idea. And I, a lot of times with an idea, I feel like a dog who's chasing a car and then I suddenly catch it. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, mm. what do I do with this? So I, I like have a bumper in my mouth, just like, oh, no, I caught it. And, and that started happening. I'm, I'm creating videos on YouTube. And then it start making things with Rain Wilson from the office. We start making stuff with all sorts of people, collaborating with all these different people. I'm on film sets. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, I caught I caught the car. But the big moment I felt like, oh man, I caught I caught a car. I caught a bus. It was when Beyonce wrote back. <laughs> and, and they're like, Yeah, I'm coming to Nashville and she'd like to do a video with you. We're gonna film and I was like, oh, yeah. And you're immediately like, yes, we're going to do this. And then 
they start having these meetings of here's what it's going to take to film with Beyonce and, and what's your plan? Oh, yeah, my plan. Here's my plan. Let, let me map out the plan. And then, you know, at this point, I'd worked with some, you know, Oscar winners and worked with the president of the United States. We'd gone in the Oval Office and I'd filmed there. But there was more security. Which is crazy, by the way. Let me just add that in. Now you're now you're welcome to my world. You're, you've started doing this crazy stuff. And I was like, what? Yeah, well, I'm, you know, I'm, this is bonkers, but OK, well, I'll go with it. <laughs> there were there were more prep meetings, more security calls to work with her than anything else. And so I'm panicking. And they start naming lights and gear that we that we were required to film with for her. And I look at Christy and I'm like, it's time to phone a friend. Like I or I'm calling Alan. And uh <laughs> she's like, Yeah, I think we should call Alan. And <laughs> so I reach out to you. I knew you had been in some similar situations of sorts and and would would know either how to point me in the right direction or 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 what. And then you're like, I'm in, I'm doing yeah. this. And yeah. You became our gear guy. You like went and picked up stuff. It was, uh, you know, you, you saved the day, you saved the day and, and it worked out. We made we did the video, we did the thing, but, uh, it was, uh, it was far more, uh, involved than I, I, I thought, oh, we'll make a fun little video with her. Not, oh, we have particular lights we have to get and you can't find them here in Henderson, Tennessee. That's true. And I remember thinking these lights are overkill and all the stuff that made us get only, only so that she could wheel her own into the room. Remember Didn't that? Didn't even use it. Did not even use the gear. No. Made us get all this stuff and we didn't use any of it. And then, she, and then she brought her own light into the room, which I thought was hilarious. And it was, I don't know if you remember, but they were like, I said, Hey, I've got this. And I saw on camera what they did and what I did. I understood what they were doing. Uh, they were just throwing a harsh light on her to give high contrast to what was happening. And I understood what they were doing, but I already had a similar. Mine was like a softer version, but still, she looked fantastic. So all of a sudden, you and I are getting everything ready. and You're going through what Robbie's going to say. And Christy's over here trying to operate camera two and three or whatever and all this. I've got the audio guy over in the corner. And I don't, do you remember? They wheel the light in and it's literally... <laughs> <laughs> and they just put the light like over in the corner aim, and they were like this is her light we don't care what you say this is what she's using and i was like yeah all right all right yeah and the other remember the other instruction was you, a lot of these tours like for big people like that they always create an environment backstage because they have to do this for their living and they want it to be the best environment either for their kid or themselves or their friends so they just create a whole other world. So all the big artists always do this. And they and Elton John was obsessed with 1950s diners. So that's what he did. And Beyonce had pipe and drape everywhere. It looked like heaven had visited Bridgestone Arena. <laughs> you remember? <laughs> it was just pipe and drape and mm -hmm. doves were flying around. And <laughs> and uh, I, remember, <laughs> I remember the instructions to me. I don't know about to you, but to me, if Blue Ivy comes up to you, do yeah. not look at Blue Ivy. Yes. And I was like, okay, I wasn't going to. Sure. I mean, I understand that. And then I'm sitting there getting the camera ready, and I turn around, and I look down, and there's a little kid. Yes. <laughs> Remember? 
<laughs> same. Looking at me. That was like, don't touch Beyonce and don't look at, at Blue Ivy. And, and which I, I thought was fair. Like, of course. But then both of those things happened where she, yes, she like reaches out for a hug and I'm going, oh, no, I shouldn't hug you. I'm not allowed. OK, uh, the, the first like, yeah, there's this. I was like, oh, there's a kid back here. This is great. Oh, no, it's blue. I, don't. <laughs> I just remember in my mind, I know this didn't really happen, but in my mind, I was like, go away, kid. You know, like <laughs> taking taking scram. my foot and kind of scooting Blue Ivy over to the side, you know, just this little <laughs> these two little arms out like this. And then I just get it, beat it, kid. Yeah, well, there was this. Thing, I, I will applaud her team I, I, because they did all that work, and it was all this stress. But once we got back there, it did feel yeah. like home. It did feel like, oh, this is yeah. good. I was like, I, I understand why you would, you know, protect this person at all costs and their family, um, and uh, and make it the kind of environment it, it, it should be. It was, yeah. Isn't that funny though? And people don't realize this, but once you create the idea or once you do the thing that brings you to the party, to the dance, to the million followers, to the crowd, once you create that and then you get there, then almost the rest of it for the rest of your life is about protecting it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keeping it, protecting it. Yeah. It's interesting to see that in uh, several different people's lives, you know, like, um, I was I, I was fascinated with how Justin Timberlake handles um, involving his family and friends in such a degree that uh, you know some people would push against that or whatever. He he has potlucks backstage that invites cousins, and he had you know wow. his grandma is is uh, hanging out. <laughs> it was again family. It was it was uh, that that sort of importance helps keep putting importance on that keeps you grounded. I also recognize this in, um, you know, Charles Schultz who created peanuts. Um, yeah. we did some work with the museum. It's, uh, there on the West coast and it's, they have built around where his office was. So he worked there for decades, drawing peanuts and his, his wife, his kids are part of this, you know, keeping it running. And you see what he did for his create. He basically, designed his life <laughs> in the same way he would cool. design a comic strip he said well i like baseball so he built a baseball field near his office he liked dogs so he helped you know support this dog kennel that's right so on his walk from where his office was to where he would eat there was dogs there was baseball and and you know he, he moved to california from from the midwest and missed hockey so he built a hockey rink <laughs> now, obviously, he had what? the means to do that, um, but it, now hockey's like a huge deal in that town. He basically, you know, said, "This is what I love. This is what I need to show up every day, and make art." Um, and and the, this art sort of expanded into his real life all around him. Um, but you can go to the little desk where he drew every day, and you can kind of see mm. that he kind of drew the world he wanted to exist. And then you see that yeah. you know, it took took five decades, but he, he did it. That's unbelievable. You know, you had a Charles Schultz moment when we both attended the story conference this last time, you were able to use your kids voices on a stage <laughs> bit, you know, in a little section. Was that your, did you use them or no? Was that uh, Harris that used his or both of you? Uh, I, I love how in the old peanut specials, Old Sesame Street did, did this, where they had real children speaking, real children's voices, 
unscripted pieces, you know, mixed into the real. Uh, I love when when the dialogue feels like conversational. So I've I've always tried to um, have that. And even with my 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 kids now, I in the same way we take photos of them regularly. I I love capturing the way they say certain words. I love yeah. uh, the way they mispronounce things. So that's you know they improve upon the human language. Uh, it's like a, an audio snapshot of of their development that uh, you know becomes cherished. But there's just a truth and and charm to uh, the way a child speaks. That you know I could say the exact same thing, but but when it comes through a, a child's voice. It brings people to a more childlike place and understanding. I agree. Open to it. I remember Charles had, I think one of his kids played some of the characters on Peanuts on the television series or on the animated series or whatever, if I'm not mistaken. They they would do different different things. And and in fact, his son, um, Craig, was supposedly the model for Pigpen, which is sort of funny. Uh, And I asked him about that. And he was like, yeah, well, it's because I rode a dirt bike. And so he was always calling me Pigpen. Mom, you know, would, would give me a hard time about being covered in dirt. And he he said that, yeah, but pretty much all of the Peanuts characters, if you want to know who my dad was, you need to know all the kids. And uh, oh, wow, I kind of feel that way about, you know, all everything, everybody. <laughs> if you really want to know, we, we just we have to know each other to 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 really know anything we 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 all reveal something to each other of what what life's about if i if i think about some of the things that made you get known like pep talk or or any of the videos that you've made because there was many many other things besides that but just i think about how much of brad is in that even though you're speaking it or pushing it through Robbie or pushing it through a situation or something like that, I, I heard, I can hear you every single time. Yeah. Thank you. But I think it was um, an interview with Steven Spielberg where he was talking about a conversation with John Ford and he was trying hmm. to, trying to tell him what he loved about his movies. And John Ford was sort of cranky or he's like, no, no director knows what they're making until they've already made it. <laughs> and and it's interesting to see Spielberg looking back at his film career now, and you can kind yeah. of see, it's like he's finally getting, oh, that's what I was trying to say. Like, oh, that's <laughs> what this was about. It was Lost Boys. It was, you know, somebody who who was missing and, and felt isolated and found wonder in the midst of it. I, I, yeah, I, I love that about any sort of creator, but I'm especially interested in film and looking at, you know, someone like a Spielberg or Bogdanovich, his, his work. Um, I'm really fascinated in how over time they found their voice, but it was there all along in, in every little thing they made, whether it was a commercial or a feature that you can tell, oh, that's you. That's your yeah. signature. Yeah, that makes all the sense. I can see it in your work. I mean, you may not have done, and you have done plenty of videos and films and small you know, documentaries and medium documentaries and all the little things, the big things and the medium sized things, every size, you can always see your signature on things. And it's funny because I never had seen that for myself. I had to ask somebody cause I didn't know. And, and I, I asked a f- couple of friends that were graphic designers and I just said, what is, is there a theme to my work or is there something I'm doing? And I had to, you know, ask that. And 
finally, a friend of mine just very honestly said, you know, there's a lot of space in your images for people to go to, to a lot of places to dream. You can see that there's dreams happening and mm. there's all, and you give people that space to do that in. And then he said, that was something that I picked up on. And, and what's funny is in my world, from my perspective, when I used to work for so many magazines, I had to do that to create the space for the graphic designers to put in a masthead or words or whatever. And so it came from a very practical place, but did, I didn't know that I was doing this every single time for most photos just to give someone else the space to put words on. And it kind of developed, it was a part of developing my style Mm -hmm. that I was completely unaware of. And so there's a lot of things that go into this and I can think about like, for instance, a lot of the Beatles sound, they were trying to imitate like little Richard, or something, but with their little Liverpoolian, you know, white boy voices, they were trying their best to come off with a thing that yep. they heard from Little Richard, and the way they did it was completely different. But yeah, that was yeah. them trying to do something or do something for someone else, or it kind of creeped into the work. And I've always thought that was really interesting. Who has been that for you? You know, I love. I know your love for Mister Rogers. I know your love for Charles. I know all the people that you love who's creeped into your work and influenced you in the way that they have. Yeah. There's so, there's so many uh, that, that like I, I, I will realize, Oh, what this completely was a seed planted in my imagination as a kid that informs the way I do what I do. Uh, yeah. I mentioned Charles Schultz recently uh, and, and, yeah. and in the new picture book, there's these little dogs in it and they're essentially like the way I learned to draw dogs. I grew up around beagles. Snoopy's a beagle, but like um, you can see here at the top, these little, they're, they're very Snoopy esque in the way in which they, their, uh, their structure is and the, the lines there. And yet also the whole idea of, Kids being able to speak big truths was was all throughout Peanuts. I'm also really into this this, this nun uh, who is a, a rebellious artist in the 60s, 70s. Uh, uh, Sister Corita Kent, uh, yeah, who I I love her use of color and play and cutting things up and playing with paper. And taking everything from ads to scripture and just like blending hmm. them into something that makes people happy and uncomfortable. And like <laughs> I, I I've I've I'm very much constantly in, in awe and inspired by her. Within I, I mentioned film a lot because I, I just love, love old cinema to such a degree, like that that like old movies speak to me i love buster keaton and chaplin i love seeing <gasps> like the way you know there's a buster they, keaton movie they, about to drop there's it's coming out and i can't remember who they announced but go look it up there's a buster keaton movie coming yeah it's uh uh spider-man <laughs> tom holland or, i think is gonna play or no oh, really? tom holland's playing um fred astaire wow tom holland's playing fred astaire which is gonna be great uh, i believe in him uh if you see him perform uh, as um, uh, umbrella for Rihanna. Uh, uh, Tom Holland did, did a great job at that. Uh, oh, um, I have seen that. Never mind. Yeah, pretty, pretty incredible. I don't, I have to look to see who's playing Buster Keaton, but you know, um, as a visual, uh, uh, picture books are an interesting challenge because there's um problem to solve as far as yeah. telling the story visually. 
and in a way that that it makes you want to turn the page. And um, silent film is is a perfect place to see them figuring mm. that out. Uh, so uh, Keaton especially did really playful images that um, were technically almost impossible uh, of yeah. how he's pulling it off. But you see that he's telling you a story visually and with just a few little words that will pop up and yet making you laugh uh, yeah. to such a degree that that you don't necessarily, you could never explain why it's so funny. But yeah, that those are things that I... I study and and am fascinated by and and Muppets. Come on. Yeah. You know what I was obsessed with for the longest time was just the sound of everything that they were doing on the Muppet show when it was done in England because they had to redo and rewrite everything a lot for the show. They couldn't just come on and pantomime or sing to something. You know what I mean? So they had to completely work up and do something new. And man, dude, Benny and the Jets, Elton John sitting around a piano in the backstage yeah. area or his dressing room or whatever. Uh-huh, if you go uh-huh. listen to that, it, I think it's the best version of Benny and the Jets recorded. And it's just so bouncy and fun. And you can tell he's having fun. And it's amazing. Like I I used to record when I was little. We didn't have, or at least my family didn't have VHS recorders or players or anything. So I would just take a tape recorder the one that had the play and record thing. Same, and I would, yes. <laughs> and I would record everything that happened on the Muppet show. So I, I was affected by the sound like you were, we were talking earlier, probably more so than, and I was obsessed with the George Burns bit <laughs> and kiss because I was a yeah, huge kiss fan yeah. when I was little. And then I actually um, have audio of the Danny K episode. I, I oh. recorded elements of the, the song for uh, not because I was a huge fan. It's just I have that. I had my tape recorder at that moment. Yeah. There's a great episode of the Muppet show with Steve Martin hosts and there's no audience. And what's That's fascinating right. about that episode is there's so much silence and, and you essentially get to hear him as the performer. And then you also hear the cast and crew um, laughing um, honestly. And so it's oh, really cool. fascinating because um, you're kind of seeing a raw performance um, from everybody. That's really cool. Yeah, I was obsessed about The Muppet Show. Still am. I had all the DVDs when Jim's son came on and would talk about it. I just sat and watched those things for hours yeah. and hours and hours. Yeah. You can find most of it online now, obviously, but just amazing to hear the stories and to hear how difficult everything was to actually pull off. And, you know, the joke on the Muppet show was that it was never pulled off. Everything was a disaster. And, and that's kind of what the show was. It was really difficult for them to pull a lot of these things off and it worked. It's sort of lost their way of sorts. And, and, and um, what, what do we do with it? You know, as an intellectual property. Yeah. One of the things that has gotten lost was the camaraderie of the creators behind the scenes and the playfulness of what they were doing, that it's just a whole bunch of, you know, monsters who <laughs> are wanting to put on a show and, and aren't yeah. necessarily great at it, but they did it. And there's that, that sort of scrappy charm that I loved about it that, um, you know, occasionally you'll see it in some of the newer pieces, but. Talk about dreams coming true. I had on a list. I actually wrote down, you know, we I wrote down work with Beyonce and it happened. Yep. I also wrote down touch a Muppet. And uh, <laughs> I did. I got to touch Muppets. Uh, one of mine was meet an astronaut, an Apollo astronaut. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
And it happened. Um, Jack Schmidt, Apollo 17, uh, this past, I believe it was past December, first, second week of December. It was literally uh, when Kurt Warner came to Freed and did his thing, spoke for the benefit. Right after that, it was like a week later, I think, Jack Schmidt spoke. At, this was one of the coolest things. I wish you'd been able to go see this. Everybody. I've got video of it. I'm making a video of it. It's going to be so long, though. And it's basically... They've got a new theater in Huntsville at the Space and Rocket Center in Huntsville, right? Ah. It's a new theater, so it's an IMAX type of thing, but it's one of those curved screens, you know? And so they just built a whole thing, presentation around Jack Schmidt, who was the last living guy on the moon. Uh, Gene Cernan was the official last footprint on the moon. So when he hopped mm -hmm. off mm -hmm. onto the lunar module, uh, Gene Cernan uh, was the last man on the moon, but Jack was his guy there with him you know he was the buzz aldrin to the neil armstrong and he's the last guy on, he's technically now the last guy on the moon you know that's living still and man you dude every interview i've heard with any of these guys and it's probably the same for creators like charles schultz and mr rogers how sharp they still are at an old age and it was just amazing he and so what they did was they set us in the theater and jack went up into like a booth and walked us through the whole mission it was one of the coolest things I have ever. Wow. So he wow. sat there and they did it like a reaction video, like what you're seeing right now that the audience is here or the, no, the video for the moon. And, and they, so they mapped out, they made a 3d model of his mission landing, getting off and then literally going and visiting rock collections, you know, jumping around, taking their selfie photos. <laughs> they just, they didn't do all of it, but they did a lot of it. And then over here in the corner, Jack was just responding to it and then giving information, insider information to all of it. And he just sat there and he went, we just went through the whole mission with a 3d model of the moon. How and then, and then they, would, wow. they would click to a photo that he had taken on the moon. So that would be, you know, here's the mission, there's the rock I collected. And then all of a sudden it'd go right to a photo of him doing it or a photo of him changing his film magazine, which oh, that's, that's the re main reason why I went was, I wanted to ask him how hard those cameras were to use the yes. early Hasselblad cameras. Cause he used Hasselblad's and so did I. So I wanted yeah. to ask him and I didn't get a chance to do it during the, there was a press junket right before it and just camera problems, you name it happening, same thing and couldn't get on camera with him to ask a question. <laughs> and other, the other press members were asking, cause it was a 50th anniversary of his mission. That's why he was there. And yeah, yeah. So they're all, you know, asking all these questions, didn't get a chance to. But when he'd made the presentation, he asked the question. So it was just completely fascinating. And, the, and literally, I'd set that goal not even two years ago. I will meet an Apollo astronaut. And I did. And it, it's just, I don't know if it's life affirming. I don't know. What was your feeling when you, when you did these things after you did them? What, what, was you, what were you thinking? Well, I can tell you what I'm thinking now. Um, and and I, I had a, a gathering with some, some, other artists recently and, and we were discussing this of, you know, these dreams that had come true and the gratitude mm. we had for them, but also, um, you know, Werner Herzog has that, uh, there's that documentary about him making, um, Fitzcarraldo, uh, it's called burden of dreams with that phrase. So encapsulates what, uh, a lot of artists will feel. Is that, oh, yes, I want to do this, but it becomes a burden of in my inner life. It's, ah, oh, this is a dream I want to do. And it's not necessarily the work or the weight of, of that. It becomes, if I do this, then 
the people I love are going to be part of it too. And I'm making them climb up the mountain with an opera and a whole like boat. Uh, uh, like this, I, what am I, what am I pulling people into? And is, is this worth it? And what I've been thinking recently is, you know, some of my dreams have come true. Now I, I really want to be intentional about what dreams I chase now mm. and get so laser focused and excited about what those are and what they could mean, not just for me in the fulfillment of the dream, but how could I dream something that inspires more dreams? <laughs> like I yeah. started getting really into this when we began making YouTube videos where I would create a video and then more people made videos after it. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's cool. But then it became, oh, we would do a video about a parade and hundreds of people would throw parades. And you're like, we just do a parade that inspired more parades. This is you, so once you've tasted that, it's like a, a house cat that's suddenly been allowed to eat real people food. You're never going back to canned cat food. Like you're just like, I've tasted the good stuff. I have tasted and seen. It is good. So uh, I've now like, so for me, it's not just, oh, I made a picture book. Like I want this to be a book that inspires more books. Like that yeah. a kid reads it and goes, oh, I want to tell more stories in that world. I want to tell stories about, you know, these agents and this department and this happening. And so now it's, it's my learning from these dreams of getting to touch a muffin <laughs> and getting to, to, you know, work with some of these dream people create projects that I wanted to create. Now it's going, how can I dream in a way that inspires more dreams? What's the best dream to chase? And, uh, you know, I'm going to catch it like a dog catching a car. Let's just chase, chase it, catch it, figure out what to do with it. Or a bus. And then what do you do with it? Or a plane. snacks. <laughs> And by the way, I love how you slipped in that you're an artist in the middle, midst of all of this. You turned into an illustrator in the middle of all of this. And I'm just like, <laughs> what? Like, right. And I started seeing it in your scribbles and all the little notes and specifically your handwritten pieces. I would see it show up in the words first and then the images later. And then now you're just full on illustration. And I love it. And it just, I love your style. I have never had a chance to tell you that yet, but okay. I absolutely <laughs> love, I love it. I love this style that you've created. It's funny that you, in the world of I, everything's been done, you were able to create a style for yourself and it's pretty remarkable to see that happen. So kudos that on that. means a lot that you would notice I, I i think someone asked if i always wanted to do comics and picture books or whatever and the honest answer is yes but i yeah. do think it was yeah. like yeah. i thought oh that's that's ridiculous i'm not the guy who could do that i would love to and that's what i'm doing in my free time at, like that's what i was always making but i didn't think i had the level of skill or talent to to do it and and now more and more I'm having the confidence to actually draw the things and overcome that insecurity of, you know, when I draw a horse, it doesn't look exactly like a horse, but it looks like a Brad horse. And I can it does be look okay like a Brad horse. With, with that, uh, because as long as I'm transferring the emotion I wanted to, you know, uh, that, that's it's it's worth the overcoming the insecurity of uh, I didn't draw it the way I wanted. 
Well, you'll be surprised. Let me, you got that thing? You got that little, that piece that you just showed us just a second ago. I love that. What is that? Did I show you the, from the book? Yeah. Yeah. So here's one here that this is inside. I'll show you a photo of inside the Bureau of Imagination where I became overwhelmed with the possibilities that there's so many places and things, but I just every day would work on a little piece of it. And oh my gosh. Next thing you know, I had this whole little world that was of all these figments and their departments and the tubes and tunnels and caves and 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 beginning to find a way to take what's inside my head and have it exist and then add to it at the bottom in the map key. It has all the offices, but one of them you know, it, if a kid's reading it, it said, this is only a few of the rooms we're allowed to show you. So wow. the whole thing is that I didn't even show you all of it. That means that you could, you know, create some of the others. So it's like how you do in your work of creating, leaving space for okay. the viewer's imagination. Yeah. I, there's something really fun about uh, inviting the audience's imagination into it to fill in blanks or mm. to color in parts of the map that, that haven't been explored fully yet. I'm pretty sure that you love Wes Anderson as much as I do, if not more. Um, but I don't know if you know. Do you know about his brother, Eric Chase Anderson? Yes, yes. I, I've interviewed him for something once. Yes. What? Yes, yes. He he. Oh, had you got to let me like, see that. I have to see that. So um, he talked about something really interesting. Eric Chase uh, Anderson he, he had a book come out, um, and and we were talking about that, and he talked about both he and Wes loved to make maps. And that yes. they made maps for each other as kids. And one of his favorites is a map that um, they made together of their parents' car. <laughs> and I was like, what? Because yes, it was our parents' like station wagon. And so it had all the you know chart that labeled you know what were lost French fries were and where <laughs> dad was and the dent from certain. I just I love that that great attention to detail for something that is not you know. Like a city, it's it's your parents' right. car, <laughs> or necessarily important to everybody, yes, just yes, important yes. to them, you know. And I, I, that's amazing. And and you know, his influence on Wes and the, on each other is rel- you know, prevalent in, in Royal Tannenbaum's. Um, and I don't know if you ever got uh, Chuck Dugan goes AWOL, his book. Yes, I love that book. And I, and the dioramas and the cutaways and the maps and it's all there. And I and I knew that. It's funny because I think, you know, Wes probably gets more credit for things and Eric doesn't get a lot, but you can tell that Eric heavily influenced Wes on some of his decision making, or at least in some of the illustrations and how he uh, sets up his shots even, you know. Oh, absolutely. Uh, of, absolutely. Oh, I love their relationship and I wish people knew more about Eric than they did. Um, that's amazing that you did the interview. You have to send a link uh, to me for that, and so I'll, I'll put it in the link for this. It reminds me. I need to find. I need to. I need to find that because it's. It was. It was a fascinating chat. And for a while, even for them to be able to get the book, they they wrote a story about they couldn't get a hold of him because he didn't have a phone, and he didn't have a way of getting a hold of him. And they ended up having to either drive out to meet him wherever he lives, and or maybe like send a letter, like a real letter, not an email. Just to get him to say, "Yeah, I'll do the book." <laughs> you know, yeah. At the time I interviewed him, he was very excited because he he had heard they were going to make a movie, and so he he was trying to get Owen. He just called him Owen, but I, I assumed he meant Owen Wilson, uh, right? 
uh, to, to help nudge it along. But I, I, I've not seen a Chuck Dugan is a wall movie. Oh man. I hope they do. I would, I would love that. Um, so on the photo and taken, Brad, I always ask these three questions. One is, and I kind of know the answer to most of them, but I want to hear you say it. And that is, uh, the first one is what, you know, video, what piece of work brought, you know, what, what piece of work kind of made you or got you into a bigger conversation? Yeah, it was, uh, a viral web video called, uh, kid president's pep talk, uh, to you. I got the title wrong. It was too long of a title to ever go viral. <laughs> and, and yet it did. And it made lots of things before that. And I've made many things since, but that yeah, one yeah. was seen quickly. It was a runaway train that, um, uh, opened a lot of, of doors and hearts. <laughs> That's great. And it, it, it still, I saw that you kind of go back and do the video recently of just kind of summing up or going back over that and kind of looking back on it, you know, which I thought was really interesting to kind of have some time to think about it. Yeah, it's been, you know, it's wild to see, have Facebook memories pop up and it's been 10 years. And wow. uh, the journey that that took us on as a family, um, but then also the journey it took me on as a, as a creator of not necessarily feeling like, oh, the things I see, no one will ever see. And I'm just, you know, doing small work and then suddenly lots of people seeing it and um, it being the nudge I needed to actually dedicate my life to doing the work uh, that I had dreamed of doing. And um, so it, it gave me both the confidence and insecurity to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because it does that. It's kind of a double-edged sword a lot of times. You know, you're out there and now you've got to, it's almost like I, and I talked to Greg Gorman, another photographer about this because he was constantly shooting all the Hollywood, yeah. all the Hollywood's oh, biggest. great. Right. And he told me, I, I said, do you have to kind of peacock, you know, kind of up to their level? You know what I mean? <laughs> like where you've got to do this. And he said, yeah, you got to be able to hold the room got to be able to hold the conversation, you know, but you also got to remember to let them be the star. And, uh -huh. uh, and it's a tricky kind of line that you have to kind of walk a lot of times. But the next question is what situation, because uh, for me, when it's a photographer, I always say, you know, what got away from you, what shoot got away from you, what situation got away from you. So like for me, it was sister Rosa Parks. I didn't, I was supposed to photograph her and didn't get a chance to. And I've always regretted that. I've always wanted to get that moment back. Was there a moment that got away from you in, in something that you were trying to do? Oh, oh. <laughs> my mind's going, which one, which one, which one, which one? <laughs> Catalog, one. file, second yeah, floor. Honestly, the last uh, seven years, a lot of it has been working on um, film and TV projects that that people got really excited about. And then, you know, something happened and, and they, right. they, they didn't they don't exist. And so there's all this like stuff that I was going, oh, this would be, this is going to be so great. And, and then didn't, but I'm also thinking about moments where, uh, where I just, you know, I just really messed that up. Uh, <laughs> 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 that's our aura plenty. I started a project called, uh, Failabrations where did you get to come to the first one? You were at yeah. the, you were at the, yes. Yeah. yeah. There've been people hosting these all over now. Where it's like a TED talk, except you can't talk about something you did right. So people get ten minutes to say, you know, a story where you did something totally, it just didn't work out, and then you get a standing ovation at the end. 
And it's been really cool to hear people share things, you know, as far as you know, fail, a failed business or relationships, the things that were really heavy. But I love those stories of things that just, that did not work. Uh, one that, that I can think of immediately is that, you know, we had Kid President going and I knew that like Robbie wanted to transition to being um, a student and just focusing on school. And that's what we wanted for him. Right. And yet they still wanted me to create content that had some sort of focus of kids. And, um, and I was of the mind that, you know what, like, I don't think this is healthy for a kid to be on YouTube. And uh, we've hmm. done a lot of work to protect him, but it's worked because we're all in agreement. But I can't find another kid that I can trust their family and all their friends to support them the way that this has. So I think, and I, I propose this seriously, I think it should be a cat. That's <laughs> like the internet loves cats. Well, yes, they do. Overdub a voice, it'll be kid cat. And they're like, first off, it should be cat president, right? I was like, yes, that's that's right. That's right. Kid cat, that doesn't... But then also, no, that that's a really bad idea. But it seemed seemed like logical at the time. I would still watch it, probably. <laughs> Hands down. If there were lasers I involved, I would definitely watch it. I would have the same cultural relevance uh, uh, or resonance. But I would watch it, Brad, just so you know. Thank you. Thank you. The last question is, is there a story that's just, it's not too crazy to tell because I kind of want you to tell it, but just something that you're like, because I've, I've had these happen in these crazy places, in these crazy moments, and just what? Is there a story that you can remember that just like, what is going on right now? What happened? <laughs> just didn't make any sense, or it's just too crazy to even, it's like you can't make this up. Oh, man, it's, it's early in the morning here. I've got a few. Uh, the one that comes to mind immediately is is because it felt like, being in a really, you know how like in the Avengers movies you watch and it's all the, you're like, whoa, they're from that movie and they're from this. That's cool. The The White House Correspondents Dinner feels like that, except not cool. Like, it's not <laughs> like, oh, they're superstars. It's like, oh, they're, you know, like, in this, it was, oh, there's Matt Lauer and there's like, <laughs> there's Barbara Walters and, and, you know, it feels like a really odd mashup of people but i was wearing a suit uh and and because i was there representing kids i wore a tie that was made by a kid it was made out of legos and i like walk into this room and jeff goldblum's there wow uh, there's the vice president is there there's all these people in the room and they could have told you that there's a step down into the room but instead um, I announced it to everybody by falling so aggressively and screaming, you know, like, like making a noise that just sounded like a woman who was uh, in a lot of pain and, and elderly. And um, I thought nobody, you know, I got up real quick, as you do in those settings. But um, my partner in crime was nine years old at the time. And so he <laughs> just pointed and started laughing. <laughs> And laughing. So, dude, that dude's laugh is still one of my favorite things in the world. Yeah. But at that time, it was not funny or cute. And he's <laughs> laughing. 
Well, then all these people start gathering, going, "What's so funny, little boy?" And then he's like, "That guy." And he felt, and so these people were not just, you know, it was Barbara Walters, (laughs) Jeff Goldblum, it was some cast members from Law and Order SVU. Wow! (laughs) Circled around while I'm picking myself up off the ground, uh, and they're talking about me falling down. And uh, and then they start sharing their stories of, oh, you know, I, I've done that before. This happened. And uh, Barbara Walters told a very inappropriate story to tell to a nine year old about her <laughs> God, dress her going dress up going. one time on a red carpet. <laughs> Robbie checked himself out of the conversation. And that's how it. Happened. Oh, thank like, goodness. I'm out. <laughs> Thanks, Barb. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which we lost uh, her this past year. May she rest in peace. Yeah. That's amazing. That actually, you probably have, hopefully you've used that for a celebration uh, story. If not, it is a candidate. Yeah, I, sure. I have an audio clip uh, from shortly after that when the the bomb diffused a bit, uh, where I captured a quick moment of Robbie still laughing. <laughs> <laughs> In the back of us is this big, you know, gala. This is like all this stuff uh, behind us while he's just cackling. Well, before I let you go, tell me what you're working on now. What's what's happening? What things are you? What places are you finding yourself in? Yeah, so right now we've got some really fun stuff going on. Where I, I filmed a TV special for the Magnolia Network, which was uh, a growing experience of being in front of camera and working with people who've done you know some really great work uh, in documentary space and in the comedy space, kind of bringing us all together to figure out what to do. And so uh, now we're um, we're working on you know what to do next with that. Uh, I have a picture book coming out. That's a fantastic. Year of super excited about so that. We're going to get to like visit lots of schools and places. One of the things we're excited to do is actually go to the actual FBI building and we get to put a tiny door there that leads to our office, the fantastic Bureau of imagination. Uh, so that that's going to be fun. And in the midst of that, we're working on the next picture book. And so um, that one involves uh, animals and it's, it's, that's been, fun to work on but that comes out fall of 2024 so well man that's fantastic brad i'm so proud of you i'm so proud of the work you've done and i'm not saying that my girlfriend recently reminded me that that can be very condescending when you say that when you say that you're proud of somebody and i'm yeah, like someone just re- i don't feel that thank you and, and uh, someone just t- and so i've been trying to change how i say it you know proud are you supposed to say proud for you or pr- proud for you that just sounds weird, but yeah, I'm just happy and I'm glad. And it's like, <laughs> there are people out there that you're glad that they're in the world. They're out in yeah, the I world. In the space I'm that grateful for you. And, and, and I, I will say early on to have someone like you believe in, in us, like for my wife and I, it was a big deal. So we're grateful for you, Alan. Well, love you, buddy. And I'm just so happy to sit and talk with you about the thing that we love. And then it just happens that both the things that we love are making other people feel great about themselves. And I just love that. That's just such a great life that we live. If you can live a life yeah. like that, I mean, why would you not want to do that? You know, right on. Thanks so much for listening today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our YouTube channel, Alan Clark Photography, for exclusive content like behind-the-scenes footage of celebrity shoots and amazing photography tips designed to up your game. The Photo Untaken is produced and edited by Wise Company. 
Take your podcast to the next level and regain your time by visiting thewise.co. That's thewise.co. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.